Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Yeah, because this is this would be the dumbest criminal stuff. Like I sent a text to him saying, hey, we're really interested in this kid. Here's Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Pat is out. He's in Tahoe hanging around his family. I hate him. I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. Tahoe's phenomenal. So, so I'm going to spend the entire podcast making fun of him and uh, brought on, <laughs> including bringing on a better person from Sports Illustrated to talk, Ross Dellinger. Ross, welcome back to the pod. And thank you for, for classing up the joint and bringing a little uh, talent from that uh, that publication to this podcast for a change. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, absolutely. Great to be on again with you guys. And uh, I'm thankful that uh, Pat is uh, off and away, giving me the opportunity here to, to be on again. I tried to call him over the weekend about a, a little news piece uh, see if he could go digging on it. And um, he, he took my call. We moved forward with, with some of the new stuff, but then I didn't, didn't hear from him again. Totally checked. Uh, so I guess, you know, he, yeah, he, <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's in Tahoe deep and I get it, man. We all need time with family. So uh, I'm glad he's, he's, he's away. I'm glad to be I'm on. I'm sure his family would prefer he goes back to work and not spend time with him. <laughs> yeah. He's a terrible teammate. Uh, selfish. Um, <laughs> lazy. Yeah, just sitting around, enjoying the scenery. Nah, whatever. Uh, we'll be fine without him. And you were fine without him. And it's the perfect timing to have you on because you have this story. NCA enforcement begins an attempted NIL crackdown with Miami inquiry. Uh, NCA plans to explore name, image, and likeness deals is no longer an idle threat. Uh, they spoke with uh, Miami booster John Ruiz, who of company uh, Life Wallet, among others, has been very active in giving NIL deals to Miami players and in some cases transfers, has uh, maybe knows most famously Nigel Pack, the Kansas State basketball player, signed a two-year $800,000 deal. I think there's 115 athletes that Ruiz has done deals with, although a couple are at North Carolina and FIU. Most are at Miami. All right. So you spoke to Ruiz, the NCA saying this isn't quite an investigation, but uh, I guess the, the basic question is, is he is this a pay for play that is set up with the school or is this not? And Ruiz is quite confident he's broken no rules. Uh, what what is the latest? What uh, what have, what do you got here? Well, we, we kind of knew this would happen, right? Uh, after the NCA released last week 
Well, really a month ago, they released the new kind of new guidelines clarifying NIL. And one of the big clarifications was a booster and booster collectives cannot be involved in recruiting and cannot, um, cannot provide uh, recruiting inducements in the form of NIL. And I remember being told then when those guidelines were released in early May, that target number one was, was going to be Miami based on the very public uh, comments and tweets by Ruiz. That's what separates Miami, I think, from a lot of the the other schools and the other collectives is how brazen and in public uh, Ruiz has been. It's putting kind of putting up the flag for the NCAA. Like, hey, I'm over here. Come, come find me. Um, I'm I'm here, and and they have, you know. So we we kind of knew this was coming that they would probably start with Miami and with Ruiz. And I don't know how to clarify because. Some people I talked to did did describe it as, as an investigation. Others described it as more of an inquiry. Uh, Ruiz thinks it was just some casual interview. He kind of acted like, ah, the NCAA just dropped by to pick my brain. I'm not sure that is that is what it was, um, but I'm also not sure it was a a full on investigation or or as of yet. Is it could be called a full on investigation? They're certainly interested in the Nigel Pack stuff. That's what got everybody's attention is him posting that before Pack even posted a commitment himself, let alone signed or anything like that, or or was you know arrived at the school. And he, he posted that stuff about his deal in that he had committed to the school. So that got everybody's attention. And I think some other people, maybe even players, were interviewed too. And, and so it, it seems like this is the start of maybe what could be an investigation and what could be a multiple school kind of thing with the NCAA. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think Miami is going to be the only one. And I never talked to the cops, man. I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, they just, well, friendly really officer to, friendly you know? is here to chat with yeah. me. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. He wants to pick my brain on how NIL is working and he's going to learn. I'm going to teach him some stuff. That's, that's kind of how Ruiz like saw it. Yeah. Like, come on in and I'll, I'll show you how this is working, you know? And it's like, Okay, yeah, yeah, and there, uh, I can see the NCA, you know, scribbling in their notebook as he's, you know, on a whiteboard or something. But uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of how he described. How'd your it. wife find up dead at the bottom of the staircase? That kind of thing. <laughs> um, I just wanted to chat. I don't know. Uh, so okay, so if there is a violation here, and that's a big if, and again, Ruiz is not a dumb guy, so he believes he followed all the rules, whatever those rules are. What What is it? Is it the coordination with the school? Would it be just giving a deal before someone even transfer? Like what, what is the, what's the tripping point that could happen here? I think it is an inducement. I don't think it's as much coordination with the school because he is doing a lot of things, appears to be doing a lot of things on his own. In fact, I think that's one of the issues is the school is having maybe a little trouble policing him and in those guidelines from a month ago with the NCAA clarified kind of their NIL guidance, one of the things was schools need, has to be re, have to be re responsible for their boosters. And if they're not, they'll be punished. So the athlete eligibility is not uh, a factor here. I don't, I don't, the NCAA released that last week in a memo uh, to schools that they won't punish athletes and, and won't, won't, um, you know, pull their eligibility. Uh, but I think what they will do is potentially find the school and force the school to disassociate uh, the booster, basically. I, I think if they find anything that's an inducement, and maybe it could be the Nigel situation, right? Uh, clearly, 
you know, Ruiz was involved in the recruiting of him and, and some others. So they find out that there was a, something offered before he committed, signed, whatever. And there was like early contact. And I guess that could be viewed as an inducement. And then they could make Miami uh, disassociate from or Ruiz, basically, and find find the university. However, uh, you know, what's going to follow that, if that does happen, Ruiz is going to sue them. There's no doubt. Like it would just go to court and they have to prove that there was an inducement. And as, as somebody told me, you know, it can look like an inducement, smell like an inducement, but can you prove that it really is an inducement? Because these boosters like Ruiz, I mean, these are smart businessmen, like you mentioned, and, and they've got, I mean, he's got a team of lawyers, man. He's got like, he's got a lot of lawyers working on this and they're dotting, dotting the I's and T's. They got all this documentation of quid pro quo and following state law. So yeah, it seems like an inducement, but can you prove that? And uh, that's going to be difficult. Yeah. To me, to me, the bigger thing is like the coordination, like Miami would have had to offer a scholarship to Nigel Pack before Ruiz does anything. Because I mean, the one thing is like, you can sit there and say, Hey, I'm going to offer 800 grand for this recruit. And the coach can be like, I don't want that guy. I mean, it's not like they just got, yeah. you know, Luca Doncic to re-enroll in school or something. I mean, it's like, this is this is a guy from right. K-State who's all right. So how do you, ha- yeah. was there, now I, I have no idea, so I'm not suggesting there was, but that's the thing that I think will get somebody down the line and they should try to enforce. Now, because this is, this would be the dumbest criminal stuff. Like I sent a text to him saying, hey, we're really interested in this kid, right? Um, I don't think Jim Laranega did that. And I don't think he, even if he wanted to or wanted to send some smoke signal. But at some point, you have to wonder, who are we recruiting? Because, yes, you can maybe pick out the the top 20 guys in football or basketball. But at various points, it's like, which quarterback do we want? Which yeah. which guy is our priority? And when you're getting down to three-star guys, how would you ever know unless there's, you know, are you just reading it off the message board and hoping that the the rival's recruiting guy for your favorite team is correct? I would say that is something that the NCAA should try to enforce. My guess is they'll net very, very few cases that way, but a review of the coach's text. And, and I, I think that's fair just because it's not going to, it would, you know, it's like posting the speed limit. At least you post mm-hmm. the speed limit and every once in a while you you give a guy a ticket. Um, maybe it does a little bit there, but I, I don't know what else you can get out of this. This is clearly blending to some kind of, of battle. And I think Ruiz would love to have that. Uh, yeah. That's part of why he's probably maybe been so vocal uh, in, in brazen about things. Cause he's just like, you know, bring it on, like, come on, come, come at me, come at me, bro. You know, I'm ready to take you to court and, and win and take down the NCAA. Maybe he would like nothing, nothing better than that. You know, as it relates to coaches and the communication, it's a really interesting bit. It's pretty obvious that coaches are, communicating with collective CEOs and boosters in a way that, Hey, we offered this kid, we're interested in him, blah, 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 or he's about to commit, or he has committed. There's gotta be, there's a line of communication there. I mean, I remember talking to the university of Florida, big booster. Of course, I'm going to forget his name, Hugh Hathcock, big, big millionaire. And he's kind of running, he's already donated like, I don't know, a, a few million dollars to their collective. And he just outwardly on the record said it to me. He said, Oh, you know, we raised the money for the coaches to spend was his quote. And, um, you know, that's illegal. Like, that's supposed to be illegal. Sully. It's supposed to be against the rules. Mm-hmm. Sully. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, it's legal in a few states. It's legal in a few states. Yeah, yeah. Well, NCA legal, go. though. What, uh, you know. Yeah. But the state yeah. of Missouri and the state of Tennessee would argue we'll against see, We'll see, Sully. 
Yeah, the state of Tennessee for sure. In Mississippi, I think just changed theirs and Louisiana the same. So where you can have involvement with staff. So it is, it is legal in some places. It's not legal in Florida, uh, I don't believe, or not yet, but they're doing it anyway. So there is a communication channel pretty clearly between the coaching staff in the the collective, the booster, getting the note out to, hey, these are who we're interested in or who's going to commit, who's going to commit. The the big question to me is when does it become legal to make the make the NIL offer? Like, is it when you make when a school makes a scholarship offer? Is it when the kid commits? Is it when the kid signs? Is it when he ends up when he ends up at campus? I don't know, and I don't know that that's a line that's been you know drawn in the sand. Uh, and that's again why it makes it so difficult. Is this an inducement? Is it not an inducement? I, who knows. Probably you can do it anytime you want. It's just very suspicious if you're just sitting there yeah. saying, I mean, it, especially in basketball where there's so few players, like it, it's just suspicious if you're just like, oh, we're taking this. I, I offered this transfer, this enormous amount of money. And the, how would the coach say like, that guy doesn't fit our game or I'm about to sign right. this other kid. You just screwed it all up for it. Like, right. Football, like if, yeah. if you're sitting there promoting, hey, I just I just offered 800 grand to this offensive lineman. You're like, we're about to land a commitment from this offensive lineman. We like him a little better. I don't care what the the recruiting. I, I, that, it just seems like there would be some stuff. I doubt yeah. Miami, uh, Miami, which has gotten in trouble in every era of college football recruiting. <laughs> so there's quite a track uh, yeah. record of uh, not really following the rules and and. But whether it's Luther Campbell or Nevin Shapiro or, or, or Ruiz, it's like there's the, the bold and famous booster. It's not a new yeah. concept for Miami. My guess is they aren't getting in a whole lot of trouble here, though. Well, and when I knew when I posted the story, what would happen? I knew it. I saw it coming. And of course, it's happened. It's like mentions full of, um, you know, uh, the woe is us Miami fan. Like, of course, they're coming to us. Of course, it's just us. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they're coming to we're the first people. You know, why don't they go to Alabama and Texas A&M and Tennessee? Well, they might eventually, or they might have already. But here's the difference. I said it earlier, is your booster is being kind of the the typical Miami, right? He's out there publicly brazen, calling attention to it. And that's what the difference is. So, of course, you're going to be number one on the list. Yeah, he owns owns a cigar boat team, and he's probably just running around Miami blasting. It's all about the you, you know, (laughs) that's, that's right. That's right. And I kind of had heard, you know, all these interviews with the NCAA were last week and I had heard that he had been told, you know, try to keep it down with, with the NCAA stuff, you know, and and when I called him, he didn't care. He just kind of let it rip. You know, I told him that I knew that he had interviewed with the NCAA and he was like, I was like, I can talk to you off the record if you want. He was like, eh, let's go. And so he just, he fired it up and in there it was, you know, I guess give him give him credit for the honesty and going on the record about it. All propaganda begins with a three point. Whatever we're accused of is not true. Well, then if it is true, other people are doing it. The establishment and or media is only picking on us. That's, That's right. It yeah. doesn't matter whether you are dealing with NCA or a, or a baseball doping scandal or how Russia attacks the West or China attacks the West, or an Olympic thing. It's the same three things, politics, so always. So if you're ever repeating yeah. those things on whatever it is you're repeating it on, you are involved in propaganda. Because, yeah, yeah, they don't. The guy, guy's putting it out there on Twitter. I mean, how don't you? I mean, if you're going to have an investigator, 
and this, I don't think this will go anywhere, but you have to like, maybe I should look into this. It's like, gave a, yeah, yeah. like your boss yep. is like, Hey, are yep. you an investigator here? Yes. Um, have you noticed the Kansas state kid? Like, have you seen this tweet? Might wanna yeah. maybe get on a plane to my, so anyway. Yes. And, and, and in some of the conversations I heard, uh, uh, that, you know, the tweet was, was, was printed out by the investigator and laid on the table, you know, and, Hey, this right here. Hey, hey, do you remember tweeting this or do you, or, you know, you, were you involved in this? And, and uh, yeah, it's it's just things not to do. Tweet the commitment of a player, and in the same tweet, announce his nil deal. Ding 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 ding! Don't do that. It's going to do it. It's so NCA to print out a tweet. It's like <laughs> it's that, like don't become your parents commercial thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you printed out a tweet, you may be coming. I hope it was on one of those big big poster boards. I don't know if you guys are Seinfeld fans, but it turn, it makes me think of the the mailman episode of, of Seinfeld where Newman is prints out the big, large cutouts and it's going through them with the clicker and he, he's clicking and George is laying on the couch, you know, almost nude in one of them. And uh, it, it makes me think of the NCA is just going with a clicker and they're sliding these huge cards of tweets just in front of Ruiz. You yeah. know, I, uh, I imagine that's what's happening. Yeah, that, that might be it. All right. So you also went to the NIL convention this week, which is hysterical. There's already a convention and there's all these people who are, quote unquote, NIL experts. It just seems like a way to uh, declare yourself an expert, hold a convention and get College Athletics Inc. to uh, to pay to hear about you. I don't know how anyone could be an expert on this. No, I know there are. Uh, and that was one of the, it's funny you mentioned that that was one of the conversation pieces down there was uh, all the NIL, all the people who say they're claimed to be NIO experts now and are quoted as, you know, NIO experts, um, uh, that we, that everybody should be wary of that. There are way more questions than answers right now in the NIL space. You know, it was really interesting. The, the, it's called the NIL summit. It was held at college football hall of fame. Monday night was their big, like red carpet awards banquet. So they gave out like 15 awards for, uh, the best, athletes who who basically you know took advantage of nil the most but which was which and was there's a really cocktail party and someone's funding it yeah it, these guys party. cannot help there's a dance club oh, God. yeah there was a dance there was a dance there was some dancing going on and then all day yesterday tuesday there were panels and discussion tim tebow flew in uh triple h uh from sure. the wwe those guys did that he totally came for in, free too he, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. He gave a keynote. They had plenty of sponsors. Oh, the yeah. sponsorship was was kind of everywhere. So they must have raised yeah a good amount of money to uh, to hold this thing. And what was here was here was the biggest the, the most interesting part is this nil summit was to celebrate um, obviously nil, but it was to celebrate the true nil, like the real nil. Oh right. And so you have all this going on where it's like. A lot of Olympic, a lot of women athletes, a lot of Olympic athletes were there. The biggest names in football, there were just a couple, like Will Levis, quarterback, was there of Kentucky. You know, basketball, Hunter Dickinson was there. But outside of that, like you probably didn't recognize a whole lot of athletes because these are the ones that you know they're doing the deals with the real deals with brands, legit stuff. And yeah, yeah, you have that. And then outside of that, right, you have uh, in in the nil collective whole part of it so it's like these two different things one celebrating nil in atlanta and the other collective piece that's getting investigated down in miami and uh, other places 
in the country. Uh, it's just a fascinating dynamic to walk, walk around that hotel and, you know, uh, in, in talk to athletes who are doing, you know, are getting paid like, you know, $10,000 a year to, to endorse, uh, endorse some product or brand or something. And you have, you know, so-and-so football player down the street who hasn't taken a snap who just signed a $500,000 deal to tweet a couple of times for, for a collective. It, it's just, it's just the crazy world that we're living in, in, uh, in IO time. College here. administrators get mad at me for making fun of them, but they, they are incapable of resisting a panel discussion somewhere with a cocktail party after, right? They, they have to come to the NIL summit when, when they would have these summits on rule breaking in the NCA and they'd be filled with all these compliance people. Literally nobody attended the weeks of federal testimony in New York city. I'd sit in that courtroom to be nobody there. Nobody could make it. Nobody could find New York city. Nobody could find the courthouse. No, nobody was there as, as like TJ Gasnola just lays it all the absolute truth out or Brian Owen senior lays the app. No, can't be there. We got to be at the fiesta frolic. We'll have a panel discussion on, on what's going on in basketball recruiting. It's like, it's all here for free. You, you know, like you don't really care. Like you're just not yeah. capable. Well, there's a, uh, cocktail party after yeah whatever <laughs> well i think one thing i will say about this event is there weren't uh and i didn't expect this there weren't very many college administrators All right, well, there. Good for them. yeah it was like and it was kind of headed up by uh and this was, was won't surprise you either it was headed up by an agency yeah. a sports agency and kind of agents in in nil uh in influencer the nil marketplace they kind of uh tech company i don't whatever you want to call them they kind of headed up and, and spearheaded it so it was a little it was a little different but um i certainly hear you i mean i've spent my whole off season at the at these events and i'm going to NACTA with the, all the athletic directors meet in about two and a half weeks and uh, a lot of cocktail parties uh, yeah. right i a mean i love a good cocktail party now and congrats to the administrators are not going to this one because um, this thing sounds um, like whatever. All right. Well, we will see where NIL goes, but uh, actual NIL is cool. Uh, pay for play. I don't think any of us love it, but uh, it's the natural um, progression of it. And it's going to be there. And uh, I don't, I don't hate it. I'll tell you that. Um, we can't go this long in the, in the pod without getting into a fight uh, or highlighting a fight in our current fight is Marcus Freeman, former Ohio State linebacker and current head coach at Notre Dame, taking shots at Ohio State and then kind of walking them back. But that's all right. We don't, we don't want the walk back. We want the fight. Freeman said uh, he was talking about academics at Notre Dame, okay? I'm not saying from top to bottom, but the majority of our kids, I want to say this the right way, are pushed to learn and their study habits are formulated every day. You can't cheat academics at Notre Dame. Uh, this is from the Dennis Dodd uh, story on CBS Sports. To make his point, Freeman brought up the two most significant football stops in his career before coming to Notre Dame. At Ohio State, Freeman played defensive back for Trestle, eventually become a fifth-round draft pick. I'm sorry, I thought he was a linebacker. Defensive back. At Cincinnati, he had a reputation as one of the nation's best defensive coordinators. If you don't go to class at, and this is in parentheses, at those places, okay, Take some online classes. Show up for your final. At Notre Dame, you're forced every day to go to class. That was the quote. So, Ohio State, that did not rest well, that the idea that you don't have to go to class at Ohio State. Uh, he went on 97.1, the fan, and clarified the comments. 
uh, saying I would never disrespect Ohio State. I would never say you don't go to class and disrespect my alma mater. Uh, he, Freeman said he was noting that because sort of an Adam Rittenberg tweet, uh, Freeman said he was noting that because Notre Dame's student body size, there aren't alternatives if you can't make it to class. Bigger schools such as Ohio State and Cincinnati offer online options for those who can't attend in person for most classes. So let's. Uh, what do you think, Ross? Did Marcus Freeman forget his little walk back? Was he trashing Ohio State's academics? <laughs> This is such an off-season story. It's great. It? It's, it's got all the it's got all the makings of uh, of the off-season, and also um, I, I, I forgot about it, but this is, reminds me September third, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We'll Notre see Dame. who's doing online Notre next Dame classes that day. Ohio State. Hope Notre Dame can fit it in <laughs> around Dame. their homework. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, it's such it's such a long time honored uh, tradition to uh, if you are coaching or employed at Notre Dame, right. To, to talk about the academic uh, requirements there and uh, to, to make sure that everybody knows the, how difficult academically it is. I was just meeting, you know, a few, a couple months ago, with Brian Kelly down in Baton Rouge and, and um, he brought it up quite a bit talking about the academics and the requirements at Notre Dame. So uh, this is, uh, this is quite typical and I'm sure it is more stringent than, than other places, but uh, this, this is quite typical and is a, uh, Good fodder headed into the, uh, I think that's the first game of the season. Oh, yeah, opener. It? It's the opening Saturday night. Oh, no, yeah. it's going to be huge. So It'll be one of the highest time, rated games. We'll get a little spice on there. I mean, do, you, do do football players get mad at the idea that they can take online classes? Like, is that really like, ins- it's not like you insulted their mother? <laughs> and look, I, I didn't go to Notre Dame. <laughs> okay, I went to public school. Is anyone reasonably going to argue that it's like, you know, the entrance requirements, and then maybe the grind at Notre Dame isn't at least on average higher than that at Cincinnati and Ohio State. Like, sure, the the the, the some students it might be, you know, there'd be overlap or whatever. But in general, you don't tell that to Bucknut twenty nine on Twitter that went to Akron, but <laughs> yeah. loves like, Ohio State. What are we arguing here? Yes, Notre Dame is. <laughs> hard school to get into yeah. and probably hard. And yes, you actually have to go to class because there's 23 people in your class, not 500. Like, I, I don't, yeah, this isn't even a thing except uh, people getting uh, mad. This is like, cla- this is a little bit like the class debate. Who's the classier programs? Like, you know. I didn't even think he had to walk it back. I mean, why? I, I don't, there's, yeah, there doesn't make sense. He doesn't want him running up the score on him, but, you know? Yeah, right. He doesn't want 55 to 12. And he did go yeah. there. But it was like yeah. when Harbaugh said that about Stanford and Michigan. He's like, yeah, Michigan's got entrance requirements, but Stanford's are harder. And Michigan got all chapped about it. Um, but, like, it's true. Stating fact. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah. Like, what? I mean, I love They these. love their billion-dollar endowment in the Big Ten, though. They they love they they love puffing their chest that we aren't we aren't your normal public school, you know. Oh, Michigan. Well, Michigan and 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 Ohio State too, both of them. You know, they're. I don't think Ohio State puffs too much about academics. Michigan, absolutely. <laughs> Northwestern, absolutely. Yeah. Notre Dame, absolutely. It's just a Big Ten type of I thing to do. I mean, Michigan, Ohio State's acad- like entrance has increased dramatically, but I don't know that that's what they're. They're, they they don't ride that. I mean, I always say about Notre Dame, you know, you, you know how someone, you know how you find out someone went to Notre Dame? Wait two minutes, they'll tell you. <laughs> Ohio State, yeah, it's, it's, it, uh, they may have a big endowment, 
but I haven't heard a lot of academic uh, bragging from Ohio State fans. Now they may crush me on it, but I, I don't. I could care less, but it's not that hard to get into. <laughs> like, it's really hard to get into Notre Dame. Sorry, sorry to break it to you. Coach Freeman was right. Free yep. Coach Freeman. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't understand walking it back, man. Like, uh, uh, but I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess he heard from his, uh, the Ohio state buddies maybe, uh, and didn't want to, yeah, want to prevent, um, 50, 50, a 50 point blowout, uh, being laid on him on September 3rd. Yeah. They already um, have the poster, uh, up for the Michigan game for coach third base. So they, they don't need to add any more off season, you know, that's right. quotes to put up on the in, wall in the weight room. Everybody is just picking on poor Ohio State. Hey, that's right. Buck nuts. Buck nuts. All right. It also in uh, NCAA jurisprudence, uh, Louisville's is going to finally get a hearing before the Independent Accountability Panel, which is known as the Slow as Molasses uh, Panel. <laughs> this is from Tim Sullivan, who uh, called us down in Louisville. It says the chief panelist is David Bank, who is a member of the Switzerland-based Court of Arbitration for Sport. Now, I've actually dealt wow. with these court of arbitration in sport in figure skating and gymnastics disputes at the Olympic level. OK, seems like we're going a little. This seems unnecessary to go at this level. You'll never guess <laughs> if you haven't looked at his wiki page. Guess where he got his law degree from? Uh, Alabama, I believe. There you go. Damn yes. it, Dan. He is American. Yes, I know. But <laughs> He's an American and Luxembourg lawyer. A Bamograd in Luxembourg. That's that is a really funny just thought right there. The court of arbitration for sport. I mean, these things like set off world wars practically. Yeah, just classic. Like, just is it that complicated? Is this case that complicated? <laughs> Where you need a you need a Luxembourg lawyer. Uh, the IARP, I feel like is on its uh, on its last leg. Uh, <laughs> it's taking taking it, uh, its last breaths, obviously. <laughs> Uh, so going down in style with the Swedish attorney or whatever. Yeah, I, I like I said originally, the whole case boils down to whether you believe Brian Bowen Sr. is telling the truth or he perjured himself on a, fe in a on a federal court. If you believe he's telling the truth, then Louisville's almost uh, you know assuredly guilty. You can make the argument. If you don't, you think he perjured himself, then Louisville's probably innocent. Is innocent. So, like, this shouldn't take years. And it, you don't need to bring in a dude from Luxembourg to tell you. <laughs> Very NCAA of them, though. Let's draw it out and uh, make it a little more complicated than it, than it should be. You get be. paid to be um, on these things? I need so. to get on these. I need to be on the committee for arbitration of sport and the inter-IAR, whatever. Like, these guys just make money, like, flying around, making little, like, playing pretend judge. They're like the... They're like the Texas A&M army of like jurisprudence. Like they don't really exist. Yeah, they uh, are they paying to fly this guy uh, back and forth over the Atlantic? They must be. I mean, is, this, is that really happening? I don't think he's paying his own way and he better not be <laughs> a coach. <laughs> I'm sure it's billable hours or, or just, just super Oh my small. God. It could have been yeah. a 45-minute Zoom. Yeah, it feels like uh, uh, this could have been an email uh, type of thing. You know, we could have just done this in the email. I mean, the violations um, occurred... Wow under Rick Pitino, who was replaced by Chris Mack, who's now been replaced himself. Yeah, two coaches yeah. ago. Yeah. Two coaches later, and in the middle, there was a blackmail scandal. <laughs> uh, so we will see what we get. All right. Because we have to discuss SEC 
scheduling every week. Uh-huh. Arkansas is begging to play uh, Texas every single year. They want if we're going to have the if we're going to do the three and six, just three common opponents and then six rotating opponents. Credit to Sam Pittman; he ain't backing down. He wants Oklahoma and and Texas every single year. Presumably, they would also get Missouri, maybe or maybe not. I don't know. What do you what do you think of that? Uh, well, you know, I think there's probably a little um, more than just an opinion in that. Uh, about three weeks ago, we kind of did did a dive into like uh, inside the debate of SEC scheduling the the nine game versus eight game, and I, I, we kind of just you know based on like geographic footprint and traditional rivalries, and then matching equally all the teams. I had created three permanents for each team, like what they would be. I had Arkansas and Texas definitely playing one another as, as permanent opponents every year. Not only that, but one of the big issues with SEC scheduling isn't, isn't only eight game versus nine game, but it's year in rivalries. Um, you know, who plays who at the end of the year. And I actually had been suggested to me that Texas and Arkansas would be the year in rivalry in a, in a, a three, six model because they'd want to, yeah, they'd want to, and it involves LSU because LSU doesn't have a traditional, you know, in-state rivalry that they play every year at the end of the end of the season. And so to, in order to give LSU someone, you would just keep A&M and LSU as playing at the end of the year. And then Texas and Oklahoma would want to play in their traditional, uh, you know, October 6th, whatever state fair weekend. And so you need, you need Texas needs a, a year ender and Arkansas needs a year ender. Arkansas right now is Missouri. Um, Missouri could then go kind of, play Oklahoma, right? And that's what that's what I had. I think that's what would end up probably happening. I'm trying to remember what I was looking through my story. I'm trying to remember who I had. I had Arkansas's permanence as Missouri, Texas, and Kentucky, and I had uh, yeah. I mean, but these these are just kind of guesses. Uh, no, they are. And honestly, Who'd I you have Oklahoma. I uh, Oklahoma was Texas, Missouri, and Florida. Florida and Oklahoma is obviously the weird one, right? Of all of these, like that's the weird one. They're like the two farthest part, farthest schools away from one another, basically in the, in the league with no real, I don't think no real history other than Oklahoma beat Florida just recently in a regional uh, to get to a super regional. And so that, that, that is, that's one of the weird periods, but that's what I have Oklahoma. Yeah. Texas, Missouri. And cause you got to find Florida. Somebody. The right. problem Florida's with all the, this is, the is this, part. like yeah. does, does Florida keep playing Florida State as their final game of the year? I would think so. I, I, I believe they will. And will Oklahoma keep Bedlam? Because that could be their final game of the year. That's true, too. Right? Um, I don't right. think that's, that. I think that true. one's in more trouble than Florida, Florida State. But it's a fan. Yeah, I hope I, Bedlam stays. And making that the last game of the year would be fine. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I don't know who Missouri goes and gets. Arkansas, Oklahoma would be great because the schools are, if you know, if you're not aware of the geography, yeah. Arkansas is. Mm-hmm. virtually on the Oklahoma border. I think it's a little right. bit of a drive, like 20 miles or something. I don't know, but it's in that corner. And, you know, they recruit, they they certainly would love to play Oklahoma to help in recruiting in Tulsa and Oklahoma City and all of that and really move in on Oklahoma State's recruiting ability in the state of Oklahoma. Um, and obviously you have the historic rivalry, Arkansas, Texas, and everyone's going to want to play Texas. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Um, I think that's really your question. I, I feel like I agree. Everyone's got to have a great game at the end unless they've got a game that already like you don't worry about South, how South Carolina finishing its season. Right. Because they're going to play Clemson. You don't have to worry about. Right. Uh, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia Tech. 
Kentucky and Louisville if that game stays. Right. But I'm obviously quite fearful that we're going to lose some of these games. Yeah. Which which would be which be chicken pride bedlam being the number one or Florida Florida State. You know we're we're talking a lot about the not this is uh, everything we're talking about you know revolves around the nine game schedule the three permanent six rotational but I came away from SEC spring meetings actually feeling that the the eight game had garnered a little more sport with ads the league seems to be you know they entered spring meetings kind of split the top half of the league was for nine game and the bottom half basically was for the eight games and I think some of the eight gamers the little guys convinced one or two of the big guys to get a little closer to, to them uh, and I think a big reason is there's two reasons the CFP and certainty around this you know the college football playoff because it wasn't expanded and right now isn't expanded beyond uh, 2025 we don't have any kind of playoff format uh, that I think a lot of ads want to want to want it to be expanded before they go and add another game they want to be sure that where they add a potential loss on their schedule that that the playoff is expanded and you know a 10 and 2 SEC or even a 9 and 3 would would get into a playoff and then the number two reason maybe a bigger reason why the eight game drew a little more support after the meetings is because the SEC doesn't get any additional revenue in their TV contract despite if if they would add a, another game uh, there's no clause in the new ESPN deal to to they can increase in inventory means an increase in revenue. ESPN would have to come back to the table, and an SEC president told me that, and he he said if I was ESPN, you know, I wouldn't come back to the table. I'd get more inventory for the same price. That's interesting. I mean, CBS played hardball with the SEC for a long time, and then lost it. Well, they may have anyway, because right, they would not renegotiate that sweetheart deal they had for the the three thirty two thirty. Saturday afternoon game, which was like the best yep. deal in sports broadcasting for a long time. Well, we will see. Uh, I, I, have, I, I'd rather they go to nine. I just fear the loss of the, of the rivalry game or the the idea yeah. that some of the lower teams would just sit there and be like, we're gonna, we're gonna schedule no one. And I, I kind of get it. I mean, Arkansas doesn't have a, a non conference big rivalry, but yeah, they would probably. It's, it's just tough. It's it's trickier than it than it looks. Every time you think you've got a a positive, and to me, the nine is more positive than the eight. There is a negative to it, so uh, you can see how this is going to be a this is a little bit of a headache. All right, this week in Arch Manning, uh, he had a quote really good visit to Alabama. <laughs> I've never seen a headline of uh, recruit has terrible visit to school. I, I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> I'm waiting for that one to come around. Probably the closest one is the the kid, the wide receiver that went to. Uh, A&M and was like looking for the, the national championship trophy it was kind of crapping oh. on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they actually do occasionally have bad visits or like weather and travel. They don't get there and things like that. There's actually many stories about. But yeah, even then they'll, they'll give. I mean, as we said, like if you just went to Tuscaloosa last week and walked around, like if you just had a, a college junior who was looking at schools and you spent the weekend in Tuscaloosa, you probably had a good time. You walked around. The campus looks nice. You did a little shopping. You got some barbecue, whatever. Not bad. If the if the entire focus of the university is to make sure you have a good time. <laughs> you have a good time. E- a really good time. And who knows exactly what that entails. Um, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't besmirch anything here. But, you know, in the past, it is, it's included a lot. Let's put it that way. Make sure you had a good time. So. 
Arch Manning, what do, what do you think? It's it's Georgia, Texas, and Alabama, and there's a lot of belief it's in that order. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's the order I'd put it in, too. Uh, I had been thinking for a while. Well, you know, I went down there and did a story on him like two and a half years ago. I mean, he, he was like a freshman. Um, and at the time, the feeling from a lot of people down there was, te- was Texas was going to get him. That's when, I mean, that's when Texas had Tom Herman. And, uh, so that was the feeling that it was always going to be Texas. And then lately it does seem like, you know, Georgia has kind of come on as a favorite and, um, for whatever reason, I don't have really any real insight into that, except reading the tea leaves, so to speak on how, how the visits have gone how those kind of, um, you know, around him, I've talked about it. Uh, but I would put him in that order. Georgia, Texas, and Alabama. And Alabama just got to commit right from quarterback a couple of weeks ago. So uh, in the same class, so it feels like feels like they're they're out, and feels like you know, kind of feels like Ole Miss is you know out too, and in, in LSU. Uh, so that leaves yeah, like Georgia, or Texas, which either either are great options to the best college towns, you know. So I'm sure. Arch can have quite a bit of fun and get a, a lot of uh, NIL deals at either one. I'm not worried places. too much about Arch. Uh, yeah, I think he'll be he'll be okay. Um, he could he could be fine if he was just you know just going to school. He'll be in a Caesars you know commercials. I can't do gambling, can you? Uh-huh. They ban that, right? We always have to have some kind of morality police. Mm-hmm. So I guess he can't be mm-hmm. in that one. But maybe he'll make appearances on the Manning cast or something. I'm not too worried about Arch. Uh, Georgia seems to have the clearest path for him to play, and I always think that's going to be a big factor. But if you're Arch Manning, you're afraid of other players. I don't know. Like at some point, you got to compete. Interesting. He's not at the Elite Eleven, which is angering all the other quarterbacks that want to beat him out. He chose not to he go. Chose not to go. You have to compete in a regional one to qualify for the Elite Eleven. He didn't do that. Uh-huh. I don't care. I think one thing Arch and the Mannings have tried to do is obviously we're, we're we throw all this attention because he's ranked number one in his name. They're trying to make it, hey, man, I'm just this guy out here doing my thing, right? I'm not the one hyping this up. I'm, it's, it, you blame it all on the media, and, and this podcast is part of that problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've been talking about him for years and all that. I mean, doesn't do interviews, right? Talk to the high school coach, and all you get is, yeah, I had a good time. They've been, they've been trying to quiet all that for so long. When I went down there two and a half years ago, and I have a relationship with the Mannings, it's pretty good just being myself, being from down there, working down there. It was, it was difficult. And finally they, they agreed to talk to me like off the record. It was just all like, I couldn't quote the dad Cooper. He wouldn't let me quote him. And, and then I, I got Archie and Archie was really helpful. But again, it was just all background off the record. He, he would not let me, let me quote him. And of course, you know, at the time they weren't letting Arch do any interviews at all. And Arch didn't want to do, I don't think he wanted to do any interviews at all. Uh, and at that time too, they weren't accepting scholarship offers. Might, you guys might remember that. Like coaches tried to, uh, to offer them scholarships. And uh, they famously, I think Cooper famously told Ed Orgeron, um, you can't offer, you know, you can't offer us a scholarship because there's nothing for us to accept. Or we're not going to accept anything. So there's nothing to offer. So it was weird. How they've handled everything has been certainly uh, unique. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll see. Continue on giving us content. Uh, one other recruiting bit I wanted to talk about. Uh, Michigan State in the last uh, week has landed four four-star prospects per rivals. They're on a little bit of a recruiting haul. Tuck's coming. 
as the as the state fans have. The, the interesting part on this is the the kids are two of them from Florida, one's from Tennessee, uh, one's from Texas. They've got a ton of Texas and Florida kids in this recruiting class. They only have one from the state of Michigan, and uh, actually two, two from Michigan, and none from Ohio. Now, the way the program was built in the past was very Midwest. It was Michigan and Ohio kids that maybe Michigan, Ohio State didn't want, or maybe you could beat, you know, beat those programs or and Notre Dame for a fair few kids that are kind of Spartans. Uh, but for the most part, it's Mar- Mark D'Antonio just built it with. Uh, I mean, he got some good recruits. He had some five stars and stuff, but it was it was a Midwestern group for the most part. Obviously, states put a massive commitment starting with Mel Tucker's huge contract, but they're definitely looking more national. He said, I'm going to expand the footprint. I'm going to go out there and sell Michigan State to these kids. And uh, at least to begin with here, uh, it's looking good. They're they're like they're ranked seventh. They'll, they won't finish seventh, but they're. Their average star recruiting ranking right now is 3.64, just dramatically higher. They usually finish like 3-1. It'll drop because they'll add, they'll probably, they'll still add some three stars and less five stars. But Mel Tucker certainly being aggressive. And I guess if you're getting paid that much money, you better be. Yeah, you, you better be. And he knows how to be aggressive in recruiting, right? Where, where did he learn from uh, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart? So he, uh, he certainly knows how to work it, knows how to do it. And if you've been around him, man, he is, he is a great salesman. Like just talking to him and interviewing him. I remember when he first got the job at Colorado going to Pac-12 media day. And I think it was me and maybe one other reporter, we got him just one-on-one kind of, or two-on-one and spoke to him. And man, by the end of it, I mean, he sold me. Uh, I mean, he just, he's a really good salesman, a really good recruiter. And, and he is got that, uh, SEC recruiting uh, aggression uh, that we that we know about, and they have NIL going up there pretty good, I believe. Um, they've got they've got a good, I think, a good uh, NIL pipeline situation. In fact, at the NIL summit, I saw more Michigan State shirts than just about anybody. I don't know how many athletes they had at the summit. There was like over three hundred college athletes there, and I mean, I I saw at least three or four. Uh, from Michigan State, so they know how to do the uh, NIL thing. And if you're not going to get in that game, then you'll you'll be left behind. And I think I think you know I think Mel knows that. Well, uh, Michigan State's always been one of our examples of how if money becomes a factor in recruiting, you know, location and weather and things like that become a little less of a a factor, right? If just simply if you add another factor, all the current existing ones become a little less important. That's yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it. You talk to coaches now, and they say it depends on the player, but of of the five factors that determine where a player goes, you know, facilities, um, coaching staff, geography, like you mentioned, the climate situation, the history of success, right, tradition, like those four some academics. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Four or five seem like to be the four or five. But now you throw an NIL, which is number one for some players, is number three for others, but it's in the top five. Like it's in there pretty much for everybody now. Right. And so you sit there and say, all right, I'm not really worried that it might snow because I'm going to get paid this amount of money. And Michigan State's got the Go buy lots of coats. Buy some coats. And and Michigan State can target the recruits that are interested and maybe overpay uh, to what maybe like a second tier recruit at Alabama or the SEC might be sitting there saying. Right. This is uh, some kid in Florida is not a priority recruit for for Florida. So they're not going to put the the same amount of resources into him. Michigan State can come in and and, and they have money. 
I mean, the one thing that the Big Ten schools, all almost all of them have, is more money than most of the SEC schools. They're mm-hmm. bigger fan bases, not not totally, and there's different things, but there's big, big, huge fan bases. Michigan State has 50,000 kids they've been churning out for years, including numerous billionaires, including Matt Ishbia. So they've got a ton of money, and if they want to allocate it, uh, and I don't know what, exactly how they're pulling this off, but you also have this charismatic coach and some momentum with the program and yeah, you don't have to sit there and just say, I, uh, there's no chance of me getting a kid out of Tampa. I'm not getting the 123rd best player in the country in offensive alignment from Tampa. Now, again, I don't know how the deal went down, but when all of a sudden you can do that, all right, maybe now you got a chance. So, all right, uh, quick people's court for you two. We have this story from Albany, New York, and uh, you can you can, you can can decide whether you concur with this decision by the uh, actual New York State Court of Appeals which is kind of a crazy case. But uh, there is an elephant uh, living in New York, in the state of New York, named Happy the Elephant. Happy lives at the Bronx Zoo, uh, which is a great zoo. And uh, Happy is uh, described as intelligent uh, and all of that, so much that human rights, the the non-human rights project, uh, an animal advocacy group, uh, sued and argued that uh, Happy the Elephant should be given human rights and should apply human rights. The advocates for the non-human rights project argued that Happy is an autonomous, cognitively complex elephant worthy of the the rights reserved in law for a, quote, person, okay? And thus, Happy is illegally imprisoned at the Bronx Zoo. Her captivity is, this is a quote, is inherently unjust and inhumane. It is an affront to a civilized society. And every day she remains a captive, a spectacle for humans. We too are diminished. This is uh, uh, one of the judges uh, who actually ruled on the side. Now, yeah, ha- Happy is, an animal, is a person. Uh, the Court of Appeals uh, said 5-2 that Happy is not a person. Happy the elephant is an elephant. This is... That's- <laughs> It's a landmark case. It really is. Gonna, <laughs> yeah. It, it, where are we going to start jailing squirrels, rabid squirrels that attack you, you know, like, or, or well, rabid dogs? Yeah, this is actually a pretty, so we're going to make fun of this, but <laughs> the deeper you go into it, it's, it's, it's fairly, uh, and I'm all on the side of the Court of Appeals here, uh, happy as an elephant. I'm sorry. But it is pretty interesting because, yeah, yeah. like, you go to the zoo and it is a little creepy, right? Like, hey, here's the polar bear. He likes it, uh. You like sub-zero temperatures, and you're like, dude, it's like 88 degrees here, and uh, <laughs> some kid just dropped some dipping dots in the cage. Like, yeah, you know, it's just a mess. But yeah, it would have had like ramifications for like farm animals, pets. Obviously, all the zoos would open. Just you just open the doors, everyone run out. This is like a yeah. Pixar movie or something. <laughs> so, uh, do you guys agree? Do you concur with the Court of Appeals or should Happy be granted its freedom and released to the streets of the Bronx? <laughs> is this what our courts are dealing with? Is this, is this, uh, brother, we just uh, did a Geico. Yeah, you can listen to the last episode. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yes, this is what I we're mean. Dealing with. Goodness. I would say that, uh, that Happy is an elephant and yeah, we, we shouldn't be opening the gates and let him, uh, you know, trudge through, through the streets of, uh, of Brooklyn, uh, you know, probably killing people and, and, and damaging, damaging things that I'd say it's good. Let's say two judges uh, agree yeah. that, uh, yeah. that he was, <laughs> that we should just open the gates. All well, right, I, I mean, I, wow, I probably, amazing. um, 
probably not to open the gate to the to let her let, but let that he's happen. Yeah, but yeah, it should not basically there shouldn't be zoos. That's basically uh, judges Rowan Wilson and Jenny Rivera. Um, they didn't want to flood the system with a bunch of uh, uh, animal rights groups asking for every zoo to be shut down. Like that would be that would have flood. Like I mean, oh, every single problems. zoo would be yeah. shut down. You know, yeah, we, even like yeah. even your pet, like <laughs> yeah, even your. How do we know yeah. that like Fido is open? Uh, doesn't deserve to just like, let let where, Fido. Where do we put the the sentient line? Like, is it is it? Yeah. Do you like cut it off at? octopus or do you cut it off at dog like where where's that line i don't know happy was born in the wild of in asia in the early 70s captured and brought as a one-year-old to the united states happy was in the bronx zoo since 1977 with fellow elephant grumpy who was fatally injured in a 2002 confrontation with two other elephants well they're all pissed wow. the prison yard yeah, <laughs> they're beating no. each other up and killing Grumpy, one another. Grumpy got happy shanked. 50? Happy is happy, Perry. Happy 52? What's that? Uh, you said Happy was born in the early 70s. Happy's like 50 years like old. In his 50s? Yeah. Wow. That's Did, amazing. I didn't realize elephants lived that long. I'm, I'm a pro zoo guy, and if, I, if I'm if i a polar bear, I would much rather be in the San Diego Zoo than the North Pole. <laughs> you know? Just True. saying. I get I get three hots in a cot and my ice my <laughs> no man the the iceberg isn't gonna melt <laughs> and I'm raising awareness to save my species yeah I don't does that even work I don't see us doing a whole lot to save the species I I I, I mean look obviously uh, we have zoos I think if we were to get rid of zoos we would need to slowly phase them out I, I kind of yeah. feel for happy yeah. happy was happy in Asia just because you live longer in the Bronx. Doesn't mean like Happy wants to be there. We don't know. Obviously, Grumpy was out there fighting two dudes. <laughs> yeah, probably because he was right? trying to get with Happy. And well, that could be too. Over. I mean, there's a lot of questions here. Anyway, the group's going to keep yeah. suing. They got another case in California, and they're going to sue in other states and countries. Stay away from California. I love my San Diego Zoo and my Los Angeles Zoo. Stephen Wise, the group's founder, uh, says, we'll take a really close look at why we lost, and we'll try to make sure that it doesn't happen again the extent that we can. So be, if you live near a zoo, and I actually do, yeah, look out. Stephen, <laughs> I don't need the gates opened. No, I live right across. I live like a mile or a mile and a half from the uh, the D.C. zoo. So, yeah, that's concerning. I don't want uh, elephants, you know, um, barging into my patio or something. Yeah. Jaguars roaming around. There's, uh, there's ha- they got a picture of happy. Looks, does not look happy. In the, quote Asia habitat in New York. I mean, how do you even do that? <laughs> we have we have animals that uh, are used to each other around. So you're gonna have you know like the, the Bengal tiger, other various Asian animals. Uh, sorry, Happy, you are an a- elephant, but you know, no peace, no justice. Uh, we'll see. You got to crawl. You got to do Andy Dufresne and and crawl through that mm-hmm. 500 yards of sewer. Get out. That'd be a big. Big tubes to cross through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Either, yes. either get get live, get busy living or you get busy dying. We'll see. This could be the next Shawshank too. Happy's return. <laughs> Never know. Um, Aren't you glad you came, Ross? Yes. Yeah. yeah thrilling, thrilling, uh, thrilling conversation and, and un- incredible topics. Uh, <laughs> 
Yes, happy, happy the happy the elephant, happy the elephant is happy the elephant an elephant or a person? Yes. Uh, should we open the zoos and and, and let animals run rampant through our cities? <laughs> yes, uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> More interesting than nil talk, though, right? Uh, much, much. Uh, happy getting nil. All right, we will be back next week. Pat will be back. We think unless he just stays up, he's trying to move into the Corleone compound on Tahoe, which would be actually pretty cool. And uh, we'll have Ross come back uh, at some point later in this summer. So thank you for filling in and helping us out. Everyone else, uh, continue to subscribe, check us out, share us on social media, tell your friends about us. We will talk to you later.